Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. Uh, today, we are talking about tropes. This is one of the topics that I hear the most about uh, when we're doing Wheel of Tangents or just asking you guys for uh, commentary on the books that we're talking about. You guys talk a lot about tropes. And so we're going to devote an entire episode to tropes, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whatever, how to how to use them, how to avoid them, what to do with them when you come across them as you're reading. Uh, and with me today, or I should say, my name is Craig. Uh, most of you know this already. But with me today is Dan Ford. Dan, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> I see you've uh, you've gone the the easy way. You just picked up the mic so that you could get it right up. Yeah, in there. it uh, seemed better. It was I don't know. <laughs> seemed quiet the other way. It was, Plus, yeah, I feel like old, an old timey radio guy holding the mic right here. We need to we need to get you a cable to hang from the ceiling so you can be a boxing announcer with that kind of uh, circular mic there. There you um, go. So uh, if you're if anybody wants to look up Dan online, you're going to have to look up Daniel M. Ford, author of the Paladin trilogy, among other things, including you know among those other things is a brand new trilogy mm-hmm. that you're going to tell us about a little bit later. Absolutely. So, all right. So, Dan, uh, tell us, before we get into the tropes and all that stuff, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Um, people already know that I'm not qualified to talk about this subject. That's fine. But what, what are your qualifications or non-qualifications? Uh, uh, well, I'm a huge <laughs> nerd. I have been devoted to reading fantasy um, since I was four. Uh, my, my dad read me The Hobbit when I was three or four years old. And it was Good just man. all downhill from there i guess um <laughs> that's the right fantasy tell stories the only thing i've ever wanted to do uh that doesn't really pay all the necessary bills so i'm also a high school english teacher <laughs> so talking yes. about books is kind of literally every way that i make my living yep. um i've been reading fantasy for like i said for 40 years i've been writing it now for almost as long uh since i was 11 i think is when i started my first novel um and yeah, I, I obviously I think about fantasy literature a lot. It's kind of on my on my mind all the time, as is right and proper. I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you are a high school English teacher because um, I, I do you do you have your students write any stories or is a, lo- a lot of essays and reactions and that sort of thing? Um. I don't do a lot of fiction. I, I at the school I teach at comp and lit are separate tracks. So mm. in my comp class is actually media literacy. So it does involve like creating videos and things like that that are scripted. Um, but in my lit class, which is British literature there, I think I, I have some creative assignments sprinkled throughout, like uh, write a ghost story when we read Frankenstein, right? Since Frankenstein came about because people were having a competition to tell the scariest story. Yeah. And then Mary Shelley just said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and invent gothic literature and science fiction <laughs> all in one go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, amazing. At, or uh, there's an option to uh, pretend you're you know, in the Royal Navy and write letters home when we're reading Persuasion, which is oh, set wow. in 1814. Yeah. OK. Yeah. The reason I ask is because you take a young writer, uh, you know, <laughs> in this case, whether they want to be or not. Right. These are, are writers. Yeah. And if you're trying to construct a story <clears throat> as a young person uh, without a, a ton of maybe experience under your belt, you're probably going to lean on some tropes. Uh, 
have you found this to be the case with uh, these students? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I, I have taught uh, science fiction and fantasy writing as an elective, you know, um, where the kids can, you know, choose to take the class for a mm. quarter. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there there's a lot of people getting separated into different houses or groups based on some <laughs> trait they have. Um, there's a lot of, you know, special children of destiny who don't know they're the special children of destiny. There's a lot of, there are, you know, five or six or seven or eight or whatever the number, whatever the special number is of special people with special powers who all happen to be teenagers <laughs> who happen to be, you know, 13 or 14 years old. So right. yeah, I, they, they lean on the things they've read, right? They, they lean on the books they've read. They've read, dystopian fiction they've read veronica roth they've read harry potter they've read um you know other books that i i haven't mm. read so i can't say what they're getting but like it's Hunger it's a lot of or what have you yeah it's a lot of not as much dystopia now um but more but but a lot of special children of destiny in different kingdoms kind mm. of thing that seems okay. to be the, the way they're going so let's let's back up I, I just thought that was interesting you teach high school english and maybe we can come back to this idea of uh of young writers or inexperienced writers leaning on that actually no i i did have one other thing i wanted to say about that which was um which was of course you do and you should you know if you're just starting out lean on those um on those tropes you know you're probably not going to be publishing the first thing you write you know so go ahead and lean on the tropes just get used to writing get used to that flow um, and then you'll kind of, as you go, as you write more and more stories, discover where you like to break from the traditional tropes, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. This this is how we learn from the time we're babies, right? You just mm -hmm. repeat whatever your parents yeah, said, you, and then you, you figure stuff. it out over years. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk tropes then. The, we're supposed to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. um, well, it, it's that's our title but uh, we'll see how much of that we get to are tropes good <laughs> i mean what, like what, how do you how do you think it i feel like that's that's like asking a musician are keys good <laughs> are are chords <laughs> yes. good yeah I like of, of course they're good it's they can be played well or they can be played badly right like the, our our brains organize things into into patterns right so when we see these patterns occur in fiction we have to label them and we've decided to call them tropes and we have you know websites devoted to categorizing them and finding yeah. all the places in books where they are and, and sometimes authors are using them intentionally for sure and sometimes we just found out you know we just learned that we did we did this trope and people liked it we didn't know that's what we were doing right but yeah, it's yeah. Tropes are good <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh, because or, or it's not that they're inherently good or inherently bad. It's they're used well or they're used badly. Yeah, is what I would say. The, the, the reason I presented it that way is I, I think of the word trope a bit like um, the word, say, ideology or mm -hmm. dogma. Uh, there are words that we have that people seem to think are shorthand for something that they are not shorthand for. Yeah. Um, and so like, like dogma, for instance, Oh, you know, uh, what, what's the old bumper sticker? Uh, my karma ran over your dogma. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> people, people think dogma, Oh, you're, you're hidebound. It's bad. Like, well, no, it depends on what the dogma is. You yeah, can exactly. have good or bad dogma. Um, and with tropes, it's the same way. It's uh, like you said, you can play them well, or you can play them poorly. Mm -hmm. I would say there are some tropes that, you know, probably are 
either tired or were never good in the first place and, sure. and can be retired. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, like, hey, the, the chosen one, there's a chosen one. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very long standing, old, 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 old trope. Now do it well. Right. Um, or people are going to hate well, it. Well, I'd like somebody else to do it well. I don't want to try that one. <laughs> Some, somebody <laughs> so, else can take that mantle. <laughs> what, are, what are some of your favorites? What do you like to use? Um, I definitely wind up using found family in every book that I write. Like that just keeps happening. Um, in, in the Paladin trilogy, you know, I start with a character who's walking away from everything he knows and all his power and all his friends and all his family. And he's completely alone in the world. And he, there's literally like, there's, there's him and there's the woman who becomes his best friend, who's like the mom and they take in two kids. And then there's like this grumpy dwarf who's like an angry grandpa. And yeah, like that just happened. And then I wrote a mystery novel series with a guy who lived on a houseboat and he didn't talk to his family. And like he had his best friend that he met with at the gym and then her wife and he hung out with them. Like he went to their house for Thanksgiving instead of (laughs) um, that kind of thing. And then now in in my newest series, once again, it's a character who is she's a city girl and she's sent out into the middle of nowhere in the country on the frontier. And she doesn't know anyone and she doesn't know anything. And she has to learn how to be and what to do there. Um, And, you know, make how to make friends with people that don't Mm. don't have your experience at all you know and winds up becoming close with some of them and you know the found family is emerging over the course of the first two books i would say yeah so the found family yeah that's that's uh (laughs) the the joke version of that is uh vin diesel and the the (laughs) fast and furious movies right right family is superpower yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. You find your family and suddenly you can drive in space too. Yeah, exactly. You can uh, drive in space and you can rip the door off a car and use it as a bulletproof shield. Why not? Because family. <laughs> um, what What about, uh, give, give me a trope that you either disdain or that you maybe just don't feel like you want to use. You're not equipped to use it. You don't uh, have any desire to, whatever. The trope that I'm definitely done with that I, when I come across it in the book, like I'm out, I'm done. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write it. If I find myself writing it, I'm going to mm. stop is the, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's come to be called the, the fridging, you know? Oh. Uh, what, so, but I yeah. think of it more as like when the female character has to die in order to fuel the male character's pain, it's... right. And has to use that to fuel his rage and the coming fight. I'm done. I'm out. If you're going to, I'm all for killing characters. Characters aren't safe in my books. I mean, fair warning. Um, but they should, there should be a reason why they die. And it shouldn't be, it especially shouldn't be a woman character dies to make a man angry or sad. <laughs> fair enough. Right. Yeah. That, that's the uh, first episode of the new wheel of time show, which I'm guessing. Yeah. You <sighs> Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, of course I did. And I I did. There's a lot of things in that show I like, um, you know, and, and yeah. any show that's going to do Al Landman Dragger Injustice, I'm going to watch it. And it seemed like <laughs> it did. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. But yeah, that was uh, I got to a place where I was OK with the show right up until that final episode of the first season. But it took a while because in that first episode, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> what I are you doing? Was with- gi- giving Perrin a, a wife of like the girl he kind of flirted with at home. 
Um, right. I'm actually like doing a big reread of the Wheel of Time right now, so like all that stuff oh, is nice. right in my head. Um, yeah, I, that that was to- like they they changed that character. They changed who she was just to have her die terribly to affect Parent in the first episode right. of the series. You know, so I'll give you one of mine that I really enjoy, um, mm-hmm. and it's it, talk about a tired old cliche. Don't care, love it till the end of time and that is the tavern um the you know we have it in the wheel of time we have it in you know shannara or the belgariad or whatever uh, there's there's always a tavern or what mm-hmm. uh, what's the the pat rothfuss books you know yeah yeah, yeah. so Kavot's but I, I don't remember the name of it but yeah uh name of the wind yeah yeah um i how wait what, what was i gonna say about it yeah the tavern it's I love it maybe for some of the same psychological or, or emotional reasons that perhaps you like the found family trope, which is I, I like having this this uh, gathering place in the tavern, this mm-hmm. this place that the whole town comes to with the, the wise barkeep, uh, you know, behind the bar that brews his own ale in the in the cellar and yeah. whatever. Um, uh, or um for me, the the like the ur source of that trope, it's it comes before, but is the end of the last home in Dragonlance. In oh, Solace, okay. Where that's where like all the heroes get. It's literally where the book starts. <laughs> where where the right. books the the whole Dragonlance series starts because the heroes all agree they're going to meet there in six years or whatever after they've been off on their own adventures. Um, yeah, I love a tavern. In fact, a ta- it's it's an inn more than it, but like it's a plays a major role in my newest book, in the Warden. And there is literally a wise old, not not he's not old. He's like middle aged. There's like a a pair of of guys who own it, um, and one is like the front man, and one is the cook. And it's where the main character, like that's where she starts to connect to the town. It's just by being there a lot, and like whenever she leaves her tower, that's the first place she's going, is the inn. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that makes me wonder um, how misleading like medieval fantasy settings are. You know, if you can go back 700 years, w- were there taverns that people actually gathered at? Was this a thing or did somebody just, uh, you know, people love the, their local bar now. So they yeah. put it into their fantasy stories, you know, at some point in the past i don't know i don't know the answer I, to that i was in a pub in ireland that had been open since 1602 okay they've been around a long time <laughs> yeah yeah i guess uh yeah i just love that like the the town the center of the town the the yeah, source of i'm, all I'm the with you there I, I can't get enough of that <laughs> uh i'm trying to think of ones that i don't care for oh I'll, I'll give you one that i don't care for as much and that's um uh, like racial shorthand, and what I mean by that is, uh, like you you have the elves, you have the dwarves, you have the the gnomes, the this and that and the other, and they all act like X. Mm-hmm. They all look and think and act like X. And so, like one example of that, I'm uh, we're big fans of Brandon Sanderson around here, and reading through the Stormlight Archive, it's like, oh, it's a Thalen. Okay, great. So they're a merchant. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they, you know, and, and they, they like to haggle. Oh, they're from, I, I can't remember all the names of the, the countries, but oh, okay. Sure. So you're definitely a warlike soldier character because you're from here. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of bugs me a little bit because it reflects something I don't like in the real world, which is, you know, hey, these are, if you're going to create a character, make them an individual. 
Yeah. Um, agreed. With with some exceptions, but as a rule, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I actually, in my first trilogy, I had to um, kind of fight a little bit with an editor at one point over, there's a major dwarf character, and the editor kept making him sound Scottish. And in a lot of fantasy novels, dwarves sound Scottish. And I'm like, no, this dwarf sounds like a used car salesman from Jersey. He's not <laughs> Scottish. He's not like a dwarven warrior carrying an axe. He's an alchemist and a con man. And like, I'm not, and he, you know, he lives in a wagon. Like all the dwarves in that world are like live in wagon trains. Um, and so, yeah, I had to like fight over that because this, this one editor just kind of thought from their reading that dwarves were supposed to be like supposed to sound Scottish, which they do in a lot of fiction. Actually, they say laddie and ock and I and right. all this stuff. <laughs> Freaking dwarves, man. Yeah. Well, so so what do you what would you say to somebody who. you? Know, let me ask it this way. How should we think about and deal with tropes as we come across them as readers? So maybe we can get into the writing stuff in a bit, but as readers, you come across these things and do you just kind of accept that these exist? What if, what if you feel like it's done badly? How, how should this affect the way we view I mean, the stories we read? If you feel like it's being done badly, you can stop reading the book. Like that's always an option. <laughs> Right. Um, Not for the, some people. Not yeah, for that's some. true. I guess I, I've reached a point. I, I used to be like that when I was younger. I start reading a book. I'm going to finish it. I don't do that anymore. I, I don't have enough time. There's always more books in the world. If I'm not enjoying a book, if it's not working for me, I'm going to put it down. I might come back to it later. But yeah, I stopping is always an option. Um, I would say, like, is it working for you? Are you enjoying it? You know, if yes, then don't worry about the trope. Right. It like if if the, the point of this telling stories and reading stories is pleasure, right, is enjoyment. Um, and that's I, I feel like that's always got to be the first thing. And, and the pleasure can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But if it's working for you, don't worry about it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe that's too simple an answer. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I guess I'm still kind of thinking about that. Uh, the, the the dogma point that I was making earlier, people, mm -hmm. they detect a trope and then they go, oh, well, this is this is lazy. I don't like yeah. this. I, you know, this is a, a badly told story. And I guess that's just not necessarily the case. Yeah, I, I would say the author, the writer probably didn't detect the trope when they were writing. At least that's I don't think about that while I'm in the process of composing. I don't stop and think, well, let me, you know, let me make this character the badass grandpa and this person the town dad. And like this person, <laughs> you know, like I, you don't do that. Like there are people, there are characters, you have a plot that you're trying to accomplish. I guess some of it depends on if you're outlining or if you're making it up as you go along. I, I tend to do the latter. Um, but when I'm writing, I'm very character focused. They feel like real people to me they're alive in my head in a very real way and mm. makes me sound a little unhinged maybe and i'm just trying to portray like this is what they're going to do in these circumstances and i'm not thinking about them in terms of tropes i'm trying to think of them as people and then if they get classified into tropes by fans that's out of my control i'm not going to think about it i'm not going to worry about it um well i'm gonna i'm probably gonna worry about it but i'm gonna try not to <laughs> 
but the <laughs> the the writer probably wasn't thinking in those terms right they were probably there's things you're trying to accomplish in the story and and hopefully things you're trying to challenge yourself with um you know but mostly i'm i'm trying to tell a good story and then kind of when i get into the revision process then i'm like okay i'm trying to do these things but there's been no point where it has entered my head I am consciously using this trope and doing this thing and following this pattern. I know I do it, but it's not what I'm thinking. It's not part of my mm. composition process. So, okay. So you say you start with characters first, yeah. um, rather than trying to find the, the story beats. So those mm -hmm. come a little bit later, more naturally with the characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you ever see there's a, a, just a fabulous episode of South Park uh, years ago when they were talking about uh, they, they were sending up family guy mm -hmm. um, and they go to the, the family guy writer's room and it takes them two episodes to get there. And they finally break into the family guy writer's room. And it turns out the writer's room is this giant aquarium with uh, manatees that pick up beach balls and move them from one side of the aquarium to the other. And the beach <laughs> balls have uh, <laughs> have like jokes written on them or they okay. have two random subjects and mm -hmm. then they put them together and turn it into a non sequitur joke, yeah. uh, which is exactly how Family Guy is written. <laughs> so I'm just now I'm imagining what if you did it the other way? You wrote a story and you're like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to pick some tropes that I love and tropes that I hate out of a hat uh, and jumble them up and then see what what kind of story comes out of it. That could be uh an odd way to write a story I, I think that could be an interesting like creative writing exercise that could be yeah. like an interesting workshop thing like write a five page here you know pick your trope out of a hat write a five page story that incorporates it don't tell the other people in the workshop what trope you got they have to guess that's how mm. i would do that as a teacher like don't even tell me which trope you got because when i go to read your piece i want to see if i if i can detect it and how well it's done um, that's how I would handle that. Like, I think that is actually, I'm, I might write that down. That's not a bad creative <laughs> writing exercise for, for teaching a workshop sometime. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't, I, those are two shows I haven't watched in 20 years. So oh yeah. <laughs> didn't, it's, didn't uh... see it, but, um, but I get the idea of, of randomly constructing a thing out of tropes. I, it, it could be fun to do with a group too. Um, like everybody get one trope and then pass the story on and then you see know, how in the a tropes way... fit together. In, now that I think about it, that's probably the way a lot of D and D campaigns work. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> people getting together and constructing their characters, and they just they they think of their favorite or least favorite tropes and start putting them, you know, shoving them into their character. Oh yeah, the absolutely. Dungeon master, I'm sure, is using a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm about to start uh, playing in a new D and D campaign next week. And I realized as I was making my character, like, oh, I just made John Wick, but a paladin, <laughs> like yes. I, you know, guy with violent past. He's straying from it. And like, he's hung up his sword and he's never going to touch his sword again. Like he's totally <laughs> going to touch his sword again. He's going to do that in the first session. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, the, exactly. And, and that is itself a trope, right? The, the guy with the violent, the person with the violent past who's leaving it behind, but they, you know, they have to do it again. For what, just know, when I thought I was bad. out, they yeah, pulled me back in. Yeah, just when I thought in. I was out, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've we've got some good tropes. We've got some bad tropes. Let's talk about the ugly. Are okay. there any that you can think of that really uh, that either, like I say, need to be retired or that need to be handled with care? Um, if you, if you got any any off the top of your head, let them fly. But I've got one. Okay. If you need to think about it for a second. I do, I do need to think about it. 
Yeah, mine mine is the Dark Lord trope. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Uh, <clears throat> depending on the type of story, it can work really well. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a story that involves, uh, you know, kind of a, a morality tale of good versus evil, you know, you, you've got Gandalf and the forces of light versus Sauron, the Dark Lord and, and his forces. That, that works because of its... Um, well, he would hate me for saying the allegorical nature, but uh, <laughs> to some extent, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, no. But to some extent, you know, there there is like this this good versus yeah. evil thing that's it's going about on, and so competing moral systems. Basically. Yeah, so it's basically what it comes down to is uh, is your universe that you're constructing undergirded by the kind of Judeo Christian system that we all kind of live and breathe in today. If it mm-hmm. is, uh, then you have God versus Satan, you know, you, the, the Dark Lord being Satan. And, and, and it can work that way. That's okay. But once we unmoor our world from, you know, we're, we're trying to create a, uh, an amoral universe or, you know, trying to, to reject uh, the, that, that sort of traditional version or way of looking at things. The Dark Lord, I'm finding, and you know, people who listen to our Joe Abercrombie episodes know where I'm going with this. I'm finding as I'm reading about Dark Lords in other types of worlds that it starts to get very conspiracy theory mm-hmm. real quick. It feels weird to me, and and uh, just to put my cards on the table, I I uh, just can't stand the kind of. I feel like we're soaked in conspiracy theory these days and, and it drives me really crazy. And mm-hmm. so I, I find the Dark Lord trope sometimes feeding into that in a way that makes me just like, ugh, it makes okay. me go hands off. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I I haven't written like a Dark Lord um, in, you know, my first trilogy. It was very much like evil was like ambition. Right. Mm. Not ambition to do well and be the best person you can, but ambition to like control to power to, you know, the will to power was like what made people evil and what made them do evil things. Um, But it wasn't like there wasn't like some guy sitting in a tower willing them to do that or creating armies to do it for him. Um, And like there is a bad guy in the warden. I don't want to say too much about it because the book (laughs) just came out um, that there is a there is a thread throughout this series of books of what it is that's evil and what it is that our main character is fighting against but it's it's not a dark lord um it's uh again it's ambition but it's a specific kind of ambition i don't want to say what (laughs) because i don't want to but yeah i i get it um it can feel very samey too like like i've read this story before you know oh samey okay you know um i actually do have a, a manuscript kind of in the tank that hopefully does the the dark lord and the war between good and evil a little differently because it's Mm -hmm. like that's happening people are calling it the war to end the age but uh the only perspective that the reader gets is five ordinary spear carriers in the army they want to get drunk they want to get plunder they want to go home there is a great wizard there's a king there's a dark lord there's a dragon they don't they they don't want to come near any of that they don't want any part of that. They don't yeah. want to, see, you know, they, they get sucked into things, 
But like, we don't know what the machinations of the great wizard are. We don't know. They don't know anything about the dark Lord or his history. So you're not going to find out. Mm. Right. So hopefully, hopefully that will see the light of day someday. Interesting. Um, Interesting. So yeah. Any, any that you would retire or be at least very careful with? I would be very careful. I mentioned this early, the earlier, like this, let's call it the sorting hat of like sorting people into four groups or five groups or six groups, because you are pigeonholing people. You're saying you are one thing. And once you are saying people are one thing, like they're not interesting anymore, they're not whole people. You are, you are robbing them of the chance to become complex characters because people are rarely ever one thing. Right, people are rarely ever one thing. It's uh, the the elephant in the room with that one, of course, being Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things that Rowling did with that series was to kind of break her own rules with the houses and yeah. and actually flesh out the characters yeah. that well, you I, need to know. I have some thoughts about that as a teacher. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, well, I like the entire staff of Hogwarts should go to jail. <laughs> They're all, they're terrible teachers. They're yeah. terrible people. They're terrible leaders. Like they're terrible at everything. Um, and I, I guess my real problem is the, the way that it treats, I mean, I have a lot of problems, but the, the problems with that particular trope is with the, the kids who get sorted into like Slytherin. It's like, well, you're in, you're like in Crapsack house, you're Crapsack people, you're Crapsack kids. That's all you're ever going to be. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, and that's like that's not the way you can't treat teenagers that way, or they'll only ever be crap sacks, right? right? You got you got to treat them as people. You got to treat them as whole people. Um, I yeah. think I'm with you on the like in the first book or the first two mm-hmm. books or something. But I, I, yeah, I see it rounding out as it goes. Yeah. But but I, I get where, where you're coming from. Yeah. So that, that uh, and the oops, sorry. No, go on. That and and like the fridging kind of thing that I mentioned earlier. Right. The woman dies for man pain. Like, we can we stop doing that? Can we just let that go? So let's let's finish up then uh, with. Well, I I'm gonna finish our tropes conversation by asking for some listener thoughts. Uh, so go on Discord if you're listening. You should be on Discord uh, because our Discord community is amazing. Uh, there will be a uh, subsection, whatever. I, I can't remember what they're called. A thread for this mm-hmm. episode. Hop into that thread and yeah, let us know what yours are. The good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff that you hate, the stuff that you love, um, how you think about tropes. I, I really do want to hear from people because like I said at the beginning, this is uh, uh, something that I know our listeners often have lots of thoughts about. And so now is the time to get them all out. So hop yeah. on Discord. Let us know what you think. Hey shoot me an invite to that uh, server. <laughs> I'll, I'll come in and I, if people disagree, I'll, I'll take lumps. I'd, I'd love to hear what people have yeah. to say about that. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll get you on there. Okay. Um, but what they should also do, you know, maybe before they jump on discord and, and start hammering away at both of us, they should go buy your books. Yes. Dan. Yes, they should. Uh, so there's the Paladin trilogy that I mentioned that came out what five years ago ish, yeah. uh, five plus years ago. Mm-hmm. But now there's a new trilogy called the warden yep uh the and warden, tell us a little so, bit about it so the warden our book one of the warden series uh is about a young necromancer named alish kyristiona de lenti on or just alish for short okay thank you <laughs> um 
How, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's a trope for you. How many apostrophes are in this name? None. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, None. You missed I, one there. I, I read too many. I, I read all the R.A. Salvatore books when I was a kid. I love them, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not doing apostrophes. I'm, I'm yeah. done with apostrophes. Um, so Ailish just graduated from the Lyceum, the big magical university. She has become a warden, which is like a wizard that is empowered to enforce laws and protect people. Uh, her primary specialty is necromancy. She's a city girl. She's rich. She's privileged. She's used to being the smartest person in the room, or at least the loudest person in the room. Um, and she expects she's going to get a posting in one of the cities that she loves, right? And instead, she gets sent to a sheep herding village called Lone Pine that's 800 miles away. It's on the edge of the frontier. Um, the the nation that, that she's in is like recovering from a war with orcs um the orcs are kind of like fantasy vikings um and uh the the nation kind of lost um so this nation got cut in half and she has no idea why she got sent there she assumes it's it's politics you know her mentor didn't like her so he stuffed her out there and then she gets there she doesn't know how to talk to these people they don't want to come near her because she's a necromancer although in her case necromancy is much more about uh magical medicine she's a surgeon she's a physician um they don't realize that <laughs> right away they mm. see black robes and think oh she's going to create undead um and she slowly starts to realize there are magical mysteries on this frontier that she might be uniquely positioned and uniquely capable of solving and dealing with uh so the first book is just out um just came out in april got it right here called the warden from Tor. Uh, book two is called uh, Necrobane and should be out um, is tentatively next April next year. And book three I can't, I, it has a title but I don't think I can say it and or say anything mm. about release dates yet. But this is uh, if somebody wanted to jump in uh, it, it sounds like you're pretty quick fire with the releases. Uh, yeah, that's the, the idea. They're not yeah. going to be waiting 10 that's years. That's the hope. No, no, hopefully no long wait. I mean I I suffer the the pain of that. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, you know, talk badly about any other writer. Like it's hard. Writing is hard. Yeah. But I was just yeah. talking with a friend today about a book. I've been waiting for the third book in a trilogy. The second book came out in 1997. I don't Oof, think the yeah. I don't think the third book's coming out. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. But so I hopefully I'm never going to leave people hanging that way. <laughs> so uh yeah i hope people go check it out i'm i'll be picking up my copy i actually i like the cover of that one quite a lot it looks really yeah. cool yeah uh, uh, chris cold was the cover artist he did a great job yeah really great so the warden people mm -hmm. should go check that out I, i'll link to your website in the description so sure. people can check it out in the show notes great. and uh and go pick up their copy um and hopefully you know if we get you into the discord server, then people can fire away questions at yeah, you as they read. And absolutely. We'll, we'll create a, a spoiler filled uh, discussion channel for that. Oh yeah. I, I would, I would love to do that. Cool. All right. Well, Dan Ford, thank you so much for joining us today. It's uh, a lot of fun to just, just, I mean, shoot the breeze about, uh, about tropes for a while. Yeah. So my, my thanks to you for coming on. And to everybody else, thank you for listening. Make sure you go to thelegendarium.com. Again, that link is in the show notes. And when you get to thelegendarium.com, you can find a link to Discord. It's, a, it's an open server, uh, so that link is available to anybody to come join in. 
Um, but just, you know, make sure you follow the rules so that we can keep you in there Great. and uh, and keep it a nice place. Uh, we also have a link to our Patreon channel uh, where you can throw a buck in the tip jar. I actually have, um, speaking of the uh, Wheel of Time reread, Todd and I, uh, Todd being one of the other uh, hosts here, Todd is doing a read of Wheel of Time for the first time. Oh, wow. And we're going to be talking about his experience. Uh, we recorded one episode after he finished the first book, and then we'll do every couple of books after that. Um, and I, that's going to be a Patreon exclusive. So nice. everybody go check out our Patreon channel. And other than that, I think we're good. So thanks everybody again for listening. Dan, thank you for coming on. And I will see everybody next time.